I want to continue that series this morning. If you'll turn to the book of Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts and chapter 1. As we look today at this strange story of Judas. I wonder if you've ever considered the story of Judas. Acts chapter 1. After his resurrection, we saw last Sunday that Jesus spent 40 days teaching the disciples about the kingdom of God. Um, he told them not to leave Jerusalem till the Spirit of God came. So he has ascended back into heaven. This is in that's in Acts uh, one uh, nine and ten, and he told them to stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit of God came. He didn't say how long that would be, uh, but the day of Pentecost is in the very next chapter, and it says that in Acts chapter one, verse fifteen, that they had gathered in this upper room. And that in those days, verse 15, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of which was in all about 120. Now that's a significant number because it means with uh, 12 disciples, each disciple had a small group of 10. And so that would equal 120 from the 12. 10 was your minimum number of being able to have a synagogue. Um, they, the, uh, it comes from Exodus 19 that that's the smallest unit from which you could Synagogue, synagogues were all over the world. There was one temple in Jerusalem, but then you could have a synagogue if you had 10 tithing members or men. And because that 10 would make up 100% of, of a salary and give, you to, give it to the rabbi. So that's why uh, one of the minimum requirements of having a synagogue was a, a number of 10. Well, uh, this is a fulfillment of Scripture because you have in the New Testament a new 12 tribes. In the Old Testament, Israel, the nation, the covenant nation, is made up of the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and his 12 sons, the 12 patriarchs, those Twelve families, the, the sons of Jacob or Israel, became the twelve tribes of Israel. Twelve families of Israel. And where God gave them the land of Canaan. Well, because of their unfaithfulness and idolatry, God promised to make a new covenant with a new Israel. And here's the twelve disciples. Why twelve? Because this is a new Israel. This is a new uh, 12 families developing with a new covenant 
and a new nation. So this 120 is significant because it means each one had, each disciple was the pastor of a local church, a small church. This is a fulfillment of Zechariah 8.23 who predicted this and said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue will take hold of the robe of a Jew. Each one would have ten. And he would say, Let us go with you, for we have heard God is with you. So that's the idea here. They're getting ready for the day of Pentecost where God by the Holy Spirit is with them. And so each of the, there are uh, ten of them, twelve disciples, each having ten, making up this 120. There's one problem, though, in there. There's a missing disciple, Judas. So uh, meditating on this strange story of Judas... They only have 11, so they have to replace him. So Peter, standing up with 120, says in verse 16, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke by David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and allotted a share in ministry. And uh, then he, uh, you have a parenthesis in verse 18 and 19, but verse 20 is Peter's words. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp be desolate and let there be no one dwell in it. Uh, by the way, let me just comment on verse 18 and 19. This man, talking about Judas, this is a parenthetical statement from the author here. This man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. Ew. (laughs) Now some have tried to see a contradiction here but I think it's easily harmonized. The contradiction would be that Matthew 27, 5 says uh, Judas went and hanged himself. But here Luke says that he acquired a field with his reward and fell headlong in the middle of it and all his bowels gushed out. So which is it? Did he hang himself or did he fall down and all his bowels gush out? How many more times am I going to say his bowels gushed out? (laughs) Hey, give me the picture of Judas hanging. Someone with an iPad snapped a shot of Judas. <laughs> uh, the harmony comes when you see that it would have been very easy for Judas to hang himself over a rock or rocks. And being a Passover weekend especially... He would have remained for days, who knows how many days. And uh, no Jew 
would have touched his corpse lest they be defiled. And so he would have hung there until possibly a defective rope finally broke from the weight of his bloated body and he fell on the rocks below and his bowels gushed out. So he both hanged himself and his bowels gushed out. Can we say that together? (laughs) I will not say it one more time. So that explains, I think, the seeming discrepancy. Uh, And I think all of these kinds of error discrepancies can be explained if you just approach Scripture with common sense. Now, so Peter is explaining the absence of Judas. That's where I want to zero in on today. And he's quoting, in verse 20, he quotes the Psalms. May his camp be desolate, and let there be no one dwell in it. And let another take his office. Psalm 69.25 is where he gets this quote. It's actually a prayer. May his camp be desolate, inspired by the Holy Spirit. His camp is his his property and possessions, his household, family, name, everything. Let it be wiped out. So the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, 900 years before Jesus came and Judas was born, gave David a vision of the future, and it wasn't just a vision of the event But notice carefully in verse 16, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas. This regards Judas, 900 years before he was born. And this, looking at some of the commentaries, I, I... I refer to some commentaries occasionally because I'm not that smart. And there's a wonderful old pastor. Actually, he's with the Lord now, but his name is W.A. Criswell, first pastor at First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas, for like 50 years. He has three volumes on the book of Acts. And I thought, I want to see what W.A. Criswell First Baptist Dallas for 50 years and a scholar. He read, the, he read the New Testament for devotions every morning in Greek, the original Greek text. So I said, I want to see what he says. And I opened it up. There is not one mention of Judas in Acts 1 in his commentary. He skips the whole thing. And the same way with several of the other conservative Scholars, they just skipped this issue of Judas. But it was fresh for me because I had just, I'm reading through the New Testament. I just finished reading the Gospel of John. And John has several references to Judas from the lips of Jesus. 
fact, there's more in John about Judas than probably any other gospel. So I'm gonna, I, I want to put the facts in front of you, okay? From the gospel of John, here's what Jesus said about Judas. Here's the first one. And you can turn to these if you'd like. John 6.63. I think we can have, we'll have most of them up here. John 6.63 is the beginning of it. It is the Spirit, Jesus says, who gives life. The flesh avails nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. That's verse 64. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you, no one can come to me unless it's granted him by the Father. Wow, that is so strong. Jesus knew from the beginning that Judas did not believe. And that last statement got my attention. Jesus said, and evidently had been teaching his disciples, no one can come to me unless it's granted by the Father. Um, I take that to mean, I'm trying not to read into anything. I take that to mean that it, a grant is like a gift that the Holy Spirit, God by His Spirit, increases your sense of need for God in several ways. A guy in our early service said, you know, one of the things God did was uh, had this nice truck and some, uh, some guys came, uh, took the truck and beat me up and ran over me. I decided I needed God. <laughs> I would say, yeah, and a, and a policeman would be helpful. But sometimes God speaks like that. He will turn up the heat to get our attention and bring us to himself. It has to be granted. But he may not use pain or suffering. He may simply increase your desire to know God in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And your faith in Christ People come to God in various ways. But in whatever way you come, in whatever degree of intensity you experience or whatever method God uses, it's all granted by the Father or you wouldn't come. That's what Jesus said. And we want to go by what Jesus says. Amen? Are you all with me? Oh, boy. And I, I just want to add this verse. I think we can put this on the screen also. John 3, 26. If you're in John 6, back up there to John 3, 26. Um, Jesus and his disciples were baptizing more people than John the Baptist was. 
And so John says in John 3, 26, they come to him and say, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. And John said, a person cannot receive, this is English Standard Version, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given him from heaven. So if you have faith, if you have grace, if you have love, if you have praise, if you have knowledge, you can, you, all of that came various channels that God gave it to you, but He is the true source of it all. You can't receive one thing unless it's a gift from heaven. So praise should characterize our lives. Amen? We should just praise God every day for every little detail and blessing that comes. Especially in the area of salvation. So, if I understand Jesus right, Judas, Jesus always knew that he was not a true believer and he said because it wasn't given to him from heaven. If I understand him right, I'm pretty sure I do. I think that's what he said. By the way, it's not... How many miracles you see? Can you imagine how many miracles Jesus sat or, or Judas saw? Lazarus being raised from the dead. And there's a tantalizing little verse in 1 Corinthians 15. We, we don't know when Judas actually went and hung himself. Uh, he could have waited a few days after the resurrection. Evidently did because... 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 5. Look at this. Christ died for sins according to Scripture. He was buried, raised the third day in accordance with Scripture. And he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve. The twelve. That's in the early appearances of Christ after the resurrection. Judas was one of the twelve must have been in one of those early appearances of the resurrection of Christ. In other words, he saw the risen Christ. It may have actually triggered him going to hang himself because it may be at that point that he thought, I blew it big time. I messed up. And my remorse is so great, I see no solution. So my point is, it doesn't have mean how many miracles you see, what great visions or what experiences you have, if God doesn't grant it for you to be saved, you will not be saved. It's a grant. It's a gift from God. Whosoever will may come. But behind that willingness to come is the drawing, convicting power of God. Well, here's another one in John. John 13, 17, and 18. I jotted this one down. John 13, 17, and 18. 
Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. And he says, now if you know these things, that is service and humility, he says, then blessed are you if you do them. Verse 18, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. I know whom I have chosen. I'm not speaking of all of you. In other words, Judas evidently was chosen to be a, one of the 12 disciples, but not chosen or the elect of eternity unto salvation. This is a remarkable statement from Jesus in John 13 because here is a Jew that is not chosen. We often think, we, we think the chosen people, yeah, that's the Jew. Judas was a Jew. Jesus said he wasn't chosen. Wow. And then a third text in John 17. Hey, I'm just giving you all the verses. Now, don't shoot the messenger, okay? The mailman brings you a note you don't like from the IRS. You don't go out and shoot the mailman. I'm giving you verses. Y'all ponder these. Let this... We're going to try to develop it so that you get good from it. All right? But I'm giving you the verses about Judas. You won't get these in a lot of commentaries. Here's the third one, John 17, 12. While I was with them, Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them, them that you have given me, has been lost except the son of perdition or destruction. So the scripture will be fulfilled. So here, Jesus is praying to the Father. The disciples overhear it. And he says, I have, you have given these to me. I've kept them, protected them, guarded them except for the one, son of, of perdition, son of destruction, because the scriptures have to be fulfilled. In other words, those given to Jesus from the Father, He guards and protects. The root of our security lies in the protecting, interceding work of Jesus the Son because of the electing work of the Father. Now here's a summary of these scriptures. Here, here's what we know then about Judas from these scriptures. We summarize this. Well, we got. Give me the. Give me that summary. Here we go. Number one, he knew from the beginning who would betray him. John six sixty four. He even called him a devil. John 6, 71. And this was because saving faith was not granted to him. John 6, 65. And he always, almost always put, Scripture must be fulfilled. In those Psalms, those predictions. And finally, Judas was not truly elect, and so he was not kept safe. 
How many of y'all are happy to be here today? Isn't God good? (laughs) Yes, He is. In Christ, He is. And let me just allay any fears here. What if I want to come to Christ? What if I'm not, it's not granted? Here's the test. John 6.37 says, He who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Are you willing to come to Christ? Are you willing to put faith in Him and follow Him and love Him? Give your life to Him? If you're willing to do that in spite of your failures, nervous about your capacities, and not confident in your willpower, but you will cast all on Christ and say, it's your blood or it's nothing. He said, I will no wise cast you out. Now, if you hear that word and it's like, I don't really care. What time is it? It's cold. Can we go now? It's apathy. But if someone is willing to come, oh, he'll be received. If they're not willing to come, they don't care. But it means God did not grant it to them. I think a return to the infinite majesty and glory of God would be helpful for us. All of us. Let's look at what we would call the application or as some of the old time preachers used to call it, what are the improvements? In other words, so what? Okay, we have this teaching here. So what Jesus said in John about Judas. Scriptures have to be fulfilled. It wasn't granted him from the Father. Well, I've got three Points that I want to just put before you very quickly. Here's number one. The gospel events are obviously planned and purposed by God. The center of history, the theme of the Old Testament, is the life, death, betrayal, resurrection, ascension, And Pentecostal outpouring of the Spirit. Those events, that's at the center of history. The themes of the Old Testament. Pictures and types and predictions. The Bible is about Jesus and the cross. This And Judas' betrayal was not a shock to God. It was the plan of God. 1 Peter 1.18 says, You were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ like a lamb without blemish, foreknown before the foundation of the world. Before God ever hung one star in space, He planned for Jesus to die for our sins. Here's a second thought. And that is, evidently, based on Jesus' words, Judas was never truly converted, but the disciples didn't know it. We can look like a Christian without being one. Judas was just, he blended in. They even made him, John 12, 6, he had charge of the money bag. He was the treasurer. 
Peter denied Jesus three times and cursed in it. Judas betrayed him. What was the difference? The difference seems to be basically that Jesus, after the resurrection, went to get Peter. You ever read that? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4 and 5. He was buried and rose the third day. And then the very first person Jesus went to see, he was seen of Cephas or Peter, then the twelve. The very first visit Jesus made was to get that wavering, denying, cursing disciple and bring him back. Judas, he left alone. There is no... There is no place where Jesus went personally to talk to Judas after the resurrection. He left him alone. You do not want Jesus to leave you alone. You want, and, and that is one of the marks of the elect of God is Jesus will pursue you. He will chase you. Have you ever tried to get away from Jesus? If you're, if you're one of his true sheep, he has a hundred sheep, Luke 15, and one of them strays, it says the good shepherd leaves the 99, goes and gets that one and brings him home. A true sheep, Jesus will bring him home. The difference is Jesus will not let you go. The difference in your perseverance is not how much willpower you have to endure, but how much, how much grace he has for you, he will not let you go. Jesus is not only the reason we are saved, he's also the reason we persevere. And then finally, have you thought about your own life? That every true Christian is a miracle of grace and mercy. I mean... How do you explain your life? Ephesians 1.4 says He chose us before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1.5 says He predestined us to be adopted as children. And you know, He, he even, in 1 Corinthians 3.5, it says... He even assigns you the preacher through whom you will believe. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3, 5. Who is Apollos, Paul says? Or who is Paul? We are simply servants through whom you believed as God assigned. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He actually not only chose you, but chose the person who would present to you the gospel so you would believe. And if you're not a believer, I'm the assignment today. Yo, listen up. Believe in Jesus. <laughs> he assigned even the preacher, like Peter was assigned to Cornelius. It's awesome. So God's care for you, God's eye upon you. Even the Apostle Paul, he said, when it pleased God, Galatians 1.15, to reveal Christ in me. 
when, the timing, the person, the witness, the testimony, the power of it. Let me give you one final passage. If you're in Acts, turn over to Romans chapter 9. Oh boy. Romans chapter 9. Hey, if we're going to dump the load this morning, we might as well dump the whole load, right? Romans chapter 9. And... Verse 19, Paul has been talking about how God raised up Pharaoh because he wanted to show his power in Pharaoh and his name be proclaimed in all the earth. That's verse 17. So he has mercy on whom he wills, hardens whom he wills. Okay, verse 19, Romans 9 verse 19. So you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? And Paul's answer is, verse 20, Who are you, O man? (laughs) Hey, here's here's one of the things. If you have a little God, you'll have a big man. If you have a little man, you have a big God. The bigger your God, the smaller becomes man. Who are you, O man, to reply back to God? Will what is molded say to the potter, to the molder, Why have you made me like this? Verse 21, has the potter no right over the clay? Doesn't God have rights, prerogatives, as the infinite, sovereign God of the universe who made us? Verse 21, has the potter no right over the clay to make of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? That's Judas. Verse 22, what if God, desiring to show his wrath, what if he wants to show his wrath? What if he wants to make his power known? Endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Notice that a vessel of wrath designed, a vessel is like a pot or glass designed to hold something. This is a vessel designed for wrath. And he says, what if God, verse 22, to show his wrath and make known his power, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known, verse 23, the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. Vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory. Have you ever thought of yourself as a vessel of mercy? In other words, that's what you were designed for. To hold God's mercy. To receive mercy. If you have a tea glass, what's that glass designed for? To hold tea. You, it is prepared for tea. Your life is a vessel of mercy. If you, When you come to Christ, 
you reveal that you are a vessel of mercy, that you have been prepared, you were born for this. What? Born for what? To receive mercy. To be characterized by mercy. The mercy of God. Not the judgment of God, but the mercy of God. That you have been spared. It has been granted to you. And what, do you, what happens to uh, something that is a, a vessel? If you have a tea glass, what's it for? Well, you pour it in and then what? You serve it. A tea glass isn't just to sit with tea in it. It's, it's designed to receive, be full of, the, of it, and then to be given to someone to drink. So here's, here's who we are. We are vessels of mercy designed and planned by God to receive His mercy and then to give that mercy to others. A flow, an, an inflow of mercy and an outflow of mercy to others. So that if we are offended, so what? I'm a vessel of mercy. Be, be, you receive forgiveness. Receive mercy. You offend me, I don't care. Receive mercy. Just mercy in my life. Characterized by one thing. I contain the mercies of God. They sang earlier that he's a good, good father. Did y'all want to, have we had the offering yet? All right, let's have the offering. And I want to tell you something. About, there's, some, there's a couple of words in this song. I know, good, good father. To those in Christ, he's not an awful judge. He's a good, good father. But in that song, it also says something like this. And I am loved by Him. That's who I am. (laughs) Amen. That's my identity. I am loved by Him. Kevin, you guys come and let's sing that song to close and get our offering uh, we'll receive this morning. And if you are a vessel of mercy, praise Him as we sing, as we give, as we ponder these incredible, deep truths of God. Pray with me. Father, we are amazed at Your grace. Amazement. Awe. Joy. Fill us with your mercy for others, I pray. And may this church be a fountain of mercy to others, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
song has meant a lot to me. And um, God really used it when we were going through trials. And uh, he just kept putting it on my heart, even when it was like, things are bad, but you're a good father. I hope you guys take that with you this week. And um, have a good week. Have a blessed week. And you guys are dismissed.